Uh, I know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? The Chris Johnston Show. What is going on? Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. Special shout out to all of our American listeners and viewers. Uh, today is MLK Day, Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Uh, we know that could be a day off for some people, but the common mantra for that day is a day on, not a day off. And uh, obviously for uh, a lot of people this weekend, uh, a lot of reflecting, but also a lot of football watching. But I'm not going to talk about the game that took place on Sunday that uh, uh, deeply affected CJ because I don't want to start off on a bad note. All I'm just going to say is I'm sorry. Thanks, bud. That's I mean, all the thing do. is, is like, I'm not totally surprised, right? Like, I've, I've been in this a long time. This is like, this is like dangle to the Leafs or whatever, where like, he just assumes no matter how great the season is, something's going to go wrong. That's kind of, that's kind of like my vibe with the Cowboys. Uh, but I'm, I'm not fully, I haven't processed it, but that man, did that suck? Yeah. But as yeah, I, I say, I like all Sunday, like I, I was texting my buddies just being like, this is something's going to happen. I'm going to have to watch it the last minute and. I think I, I wrote that. There's going to be some controversy. Someone's going to screw up. The ref's going to do something. Um, but. Yeah. Well, like I said, we're not going to talk about it on uh, this Monday edition of the CJ show. What I do want to talk about instead is uh, the NHL All-Star game and the players who are going to be there. More importantly, the players who are not going to be there. <laughs> Everyone is up in arms uh, about it. You've probably heard about it already. Uh, guys like Nazem Kadri basically fighting for a last man in spot uh, through votes from everyone else, but not included in the initial list of players going to uh, this year's NHL All-Star game in Vegas. Sidney Crosby not there as well. Brad Marchand not there. Igor Shosturkin from the New York Rangers. Steven Stamkos not there. There's a whole list of players I can go through. Barkov. Um, yes, yeah, Sasha Barkov, who I think also has a chance of getting a last man in as well. Uh, what do you think about the fact that all these players are just listed off, not on the initial list of NHL all-stars. Well, it all roots itself in this every team being represented thing, right? I mean, that's yeah. because if you're going to have as few players as they do in this three-on-three format, you can actually do this. I mean, the divisions have eight teams. What is it? Three defensemen, seven forwards, two goalies per team or something. I mean, there's just not a lot of room for multiple players from multiple teams with that. But like, how many great teams are there? I mean, obviously, a team like Colorado should have a few representatives. Nazem Kadri, fifth leading scorer in the league at the time the selection is being made. It's hard to imagine how the fifth leading scorer in the league isn't isn't selected as an all star. Like it, it, it actually really doesn't make any sense. Um, you know, I think Brad Marchand's in the top ten as well. I know he's certainly Boston's leading goal scorer, point getter. Um, yeah, it. I'm of the mind that you could probably do without representing every team. Like, I think that's the old school thinking. Like it was based on sort of like the old days where the newspapers had more power and you needed to give a reason for every newspaper to come to the all-star game and talk about it and write about your league. And I just think that the way things are covered nowadays, you can, you can get away without having that. And, you know, and if, if in this one season, there's no Arizona coyote there, for example, or even Montreal Canadian, you know, teams at the very bottom of the league, I, I just don't think it's the end of the world. And why not showcase and highlight <clears throat> the players that actually, you know, have had great years. And it's hard not to look at the NBA all-star game. And I realize there's a whole, I mean, the all-star weekend really, it's not just the game uh, and just how so many players that aren't even selected to play, show up and watch it. Obviously lots of parties and things that go with it that, that make that a desirable place to be, but it's such an honor to be picked. I mean, I think it's an honor to still be picked for the NHL all-star game, but it feels a little watered down with the format. And so, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing them go to just picking the best players. And if there's seven teams that don't have a guy there, I, I really, I don't think it's going to turn people off that much, um, quite honestly. And so, like, if you're in Montreal, are you tuning in to see what Nick Suzuki does? I mean, maybe, maybe. I, I but, guess if you're a dedicated fan, but like, look, I'm I'm based in Montreal, and I almost didn't even realize that the the rosters were going to be announced last week. Right, and I'm not picking on Nick Suzuki. I'm just pointing out though that every team doesn't truly have an all-star every year. Uh, and so I'd, I'd like to see more of the deserving guys get there. I'd like to, I think, and look, it might never happen. The, the league has to take steps, whatever they are, to try to make this a place a lot of guys want to go. And it hasn't been that way in the past. 
I think they actually were onto something when they had the, the teams, the players pick the teams themselves. And obviously yes. there was, it was the Columbus all-star game. I don't know what year that was. And I think there might've been some drinking going on with the, like the guys are having fun and chirping each other. Like I think they didn't have to do as much as they can to make it a desirable place to be for that weekend. I mean, and this one's in Vegas. I, I get it's a little more complicated. It's this COVID year still kind of some things are weird, but you know, if you're having an all-star game in Vegas, like every player in the league should want to be there. It should be like, friggin' event yeah absolutely um, and i'm not saying it won't be i mean look we'll, we'll see how it plays out uh we, we haven't had a raft of players pull out but that tends to happen right as it gets closer um let's see how it goes but you know i think there's some good stories in the all-stars this year you know i think jack campbell for example is a great sort of for the him this is a real big mile marker right in, in what's been a really winding journey to get to just be a regular nhl player so I think that there's there's are those good stories, but I'd like to see. I mean, Kadri should get there. I mean, at the end of the day, his is a different road than Jack Campbell. I mean, he's been an NHL player for for ten years, but you know, he's having this tremendous season on the other side of thirty. He's in a free agent year. I mean, you can't tell me it wouldn't mean something to him to have been picked, and and frankly, he should have been. Dude, Trevor Zegers isn't there, right? Trevor Zegers might have. The it, purely for talking about just on ice, he might be the most intriguing and exciting player this year and he was not named an all-star like, sounds like they're be- good sounds like they're going to include him in the skills competition though at the very least i mean that's like i fun. think he is ultimately going to be there but you're right he's not going to be considered quote unquote an all-star in, in 2022 that's very fair but you bring up a really excellent point the way we look at like the nba all-star weekend you see players who aren't even all-stars they're there and they're also there with celebrities and personalities it's the it's wherever the game is you want to be there that weekend. You want to be seen uh, at the game or at the competition. You want to be seen. You want to be at the dunk competition. You want to be there. And the NHL for, I mean, well, there are very much some reasons, but it's not that place. I wonder if how much that plays into why some guys just don't want to go or why some guys will just be like, you know what? I don't really want to go. I'll take whatever suspension the league gives to me after the fact for not going like it, I, I I'm curious to know from players generally, like why they don't want to go and why they don't want to make the all-star game uh, a, a bigger event. And obviously this year with COVID, that's a different story, but in any other year we're, we're dealing, this is an issue in terms of attendance. Well, you know, part of it, I think is it's just such a grueling season. And so the guys viewed this as a chance to take either four day little holiday or even just four days at home with your family and don't do anything staycation kind of deal. Um, you know, the leagues tried to address that too, though, right? I mean, they put in those, those bye weeks in February and the idea essentially was that if you're an all-star, it still guarantees you a, a gap of time off in, in, in around that same time of the year, but still come to the all-star game. And so the leagues made concessions that way. I know we haven't seen the, the schedule yet. Pretty amazing. January 17th, we're recording this yeah. and the games in February that are all being rescheduled have not been announced publicly yet. I know teams have, <clears throat> excuse me, a version of what, what they're, you know what their schedule is probably going to look like. So the teams know, but um, my understanding anyway, is that there, there will be kind of bye weeks or small breaks in there. Uh, so, so that's, isn't really an issue. You know, I, I don't know what it is. I mean, maybe traditionally NHL players haven't been embraced the showtime element as much of, of what an event like this can be. You know, I wonder, <clears throat> you might know it better, Julian, don't they sometimes bring in like good three point shooters to do the three point competition who aren't actually all-stars. Well, like and stuff well, like that, like, well, for like, there's one competition, um, the name for whatever reason escapes me, but there is like a particular competition where you get like, like a guy from who's playing for a team now, someone who plays for the WNBA team in that area and a right. legend from that franchise. I forget what the name of the competition is, but there is, it's not the three point competition, but they, there's like a shot at the end where like someone has to make a shot from like half court. Like I, for, I, I, I'm, I don't know why I'm blanking on that, but there is something like that. But what I meant is, don't they include people like in the dunk contest and stuff who aren't actually all stars? Like they just, if like, like that's props and stuff. Yeah. Like not as like, no, but I mean the players, right. I think contestants. So don't they bring players in that aren't in the all star game, but yeah. are good dunkers? Well, yeah, exactly. For the dunk competition, like they're not an all star, but okay. So, in that right. case, so like, yeah, what I mean exactly. is, like, imagine with hardest shot if every year you had Shea Weber and Zidane Ochara there, whether they were all stars or not, or, <laughs> well, yeah. you know, or with the, I mean, the fastest skaters, actually, so many of the players truly are the best players in the league. You know, McDavid, Barzell, like these guys, for the most part, are, are pretty much perennial all-stars. It's, it's not, but I mean, it, it'd be cool. And then that's a way, of course, to involve the Trevor's Egresses and, and players that maybe Very good are, point. 
are cut below, you know, th- that would be an idea. I know there's been discussions actually in the past with the NHL alumni to have the, the NHL alumni incorporate a little bit more in it, which I think would be cool. Uh, you know, I, I think it just, it's an event that forever needs to be reimagined. It's not that it's broken. It's that, you know, look at, there's no, like, there's no historical precedent to it. If you know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't really matter that, and this year it was Campbell's conference versus Wales conference. And then it went to the world versus, you know, North America, whatever. Like, I think you've got to continue tinkering with the format, doing new things, try like pushing outside the box. Cause I think you have to make it fun. Honestly, at the end of the day, as I say, we're not really comparing records from like years gone by. Like there, there's no sanctity to this. You know what I mean? It's not like lengthening the par four 12th at uh, Augusta national or something. Like, it's not like, you know, changing what is like this historically thing. Of course, the 12th at Augusta National is a par three, pretty famous one. So I'll correct myself there. But I just, I'm thinking out loud. It's more, I think that you just have to continue shifting the event and and obviously bring in celebrities wherever you can. Have a party aspect to it. I mean, the guy should be relaxing that weekend. Um, so, you know, I'm actually hopeful in today's world that the All-Star Game can have new life. I actually think in a social media universe, I mean, the gif ability of it, right? I mean, I think that there's a lot of stuff you can do that actually makes it cooler again. Um, and I think the league is going to try. You know, they're going to incorporate Vegas and the strip into what they're doing a little bit. And, and you know, there's still, I think they're, they're, I'm not I'm not prejudging that this is going to be bad All-Star Weekend by any means. I actually think it's going to be fun. Yeah. Um, but I think that they should maybe get away from naming a guy from every team, especially in a 32-team league. Either that or just make bigger All-Star teams. Do you know what I mean? It is three on three. Like, could yeah. you not have, you, you could have six defensemen. Like who's to say you can, like, I know you at certain point, maybe you feel like you're diluting the pool because you're bringing so many players, but I mean, with 32 teams, I think that there's a way maybe just to add players that way. And like, why, why have the, why have the divisions be so, be so small? Uh, a few things uh, that I would like to see in the all-star game, bring back the draft. So you have, Team Matthews versus Team McDavid. And then you have a live show on Sportsnet where both of them announce which players they want to take. And yes, it might get awkward depending on which guys get which guys and whatever, but it's fun for everybody. It's a small 30-minute show. Uh, For this year's event specifically, I guess you have to bring Kodak Black. Lean into the meat. Lean into the fun. We all knew it was fun. But to to your effect of bringing celebrities, like you have to make it a thing where celebrities and people want to be there. And if it means you have to bring in a rapper who uh, became a viral sensation for doing something a little weird, maybe you consider doing that. But ultimately, in all seriousness, like you should have it be an event where celebrities should be there. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really big on, on bringing the draft back and, and just making the all-star game just way more fun to consume. Also don't do the divisions versus division thing, just two teams. I, I don't like the idea of it just being like four, like a mini tournament, just like a big game, two teams, keep it simple. I don't, I don't need a big set of, I don't, I don't need like four or five teams. The thing is, is this allows for three on three, right? I guess, yeah. Which gives more room for the players to do. And that's fun. What they do. I don't know. Kodak Black should be there, though. Like, oh, God. I'm not really over that story yet, if I'm being honest. Like, so far. He's just like doing something, and I'll think, I'm like, wow, did that actually happen? A lot of people were uh, very happy that we uh, addressed that story off the top of our show last week. A lot of people took very, uh, a lot of people wanted that to be clipped, actually. Really? Yeah, they want, some people did wanted it to be, uh, I think someone specifically was like, that should be like a clip or something, you know? Did we say anything that bad? I didn't go back and we listen. We didn't say anything bad. We, it was just the fact that we tried our absolute best to get the show going. And we, I just, I just had the giggles and I just couldn't, I couldn't keep it together, man. I yeah. Just, well, sorry. hockey Twitter needs some light moments, right? Like we still spend so much, even of our pod. I know we try to avoid it, but we're talking about COVID protocols and this and that, yeah. and the world's going to shit. Like we got to have a good laugh sometimes. Like, like hockey Twitter was on fire that night. The Kodak. Oh my God. Night. Like seriously, it went, it went X-rated pretty quickly. It was pretty funny. <laughs> Like all these people are normally talking about like controlled zone entries or like, you know, shifting their focus for, for a brief period of time. Yeah. Yeah. Control. They were talking about a different controlled zone entry that night, my man. 
<laughs> do we still know if it was a conclusive goal i don't think I, at this point i because there's been confirmation point. anywhere like no, you, you, you hang around in, in weirder parts of the internet than i do but i uh the only thing we were able to get there's like a live video after the fact where kodak i don't know what he was saying but he was saying something about enchiladas or something like that and like some people i don't it's weird bro like I, I, it's not conclusive like has he commented on it anywhere not really not really and i don't think he ever will i you know what you know what i think i think for kodak black like the nhl world must be so small and insignificant to him i don't think he will he'll ever i don't think he'll ever comment on that unless someone like went out of their way to what happens like, if, hey, he, if he's in vegas at all-star weekend and i go and seek out the truth if if you do that and he won't be there i mean he won't be there but if you do that like that might is that oh my god <laughs> oh my god well we're still waiting for we're still waiting for the nhl situation room to give a a conclusive call on that situation oh my god okay well, right, we'll let's we'll, get out of the we'll gutter figure that out um let's move on to the general manager if he's is at all-star weekend though i will ask him okay well you've heard it here first here on the cj like, show kodak Black i realize that that's a long against. shot and in yes. many ways but i I mean, I think the people need to know. Okay. Well, if, if we, we, you heard it here first. Uh, so two things people will want to know on this show uh, was what was Kodak Black really doing in the, in the box? And what is Jeff Carter's middle name? Well, I know. Yeah. I keep failing on that one. That's okay. We'll, we'll get that one. There, someone, uh, unfortunately, won't get to that question on Ask CJ since you don't have it. But someone literally uh, put up some tweet being like, hey, I've been kidnapped. And the only way I can get out is if we know what Jeff Carter's middle name is. I don't it's even there. know who to call on that, though. Like, Who's his agent? Okay. You think I'm going to call a guy's agent and be like, what's your client's middle name? You want to know Kodak Black if he was if it was conclusive or not. I feel like you're willing to do anything. I mean, I guess I could do that. I feel like I'd be wasting the agent's time a little bit. I think you absolutely would, but at this point, you know. I think I have to get more creative than that. I mean, honestly, this is this is an example. I don't mean to go down this road because I've brought it up before, but it's like Fine. if we could just go in a dressing room, like seriously, before on a morning skate day, I would literally go up to him and explain the situation and ask him, yeah. and he'd probably have a laugh, and he'd tell me, and I'd get an answer. Easy. But that's, you know, that's not available to us right now, so I got to get a little more creative. When's the next time Pittsburgh's in town in Toronto? I have no idea. Like, I don't even know if they play games here anymore. That's a very good point. Yeah, that's true. Like, not we to make light to of the it. situation, but I feel like the Leafs, and I'm sure like any reporter in any Canadian city, they just haven't played a game here in forever. This, this might be the longest like in season I've ever gone without attending a game live. Because you haven't gone since like November, right? No, I was like, at a game in December against Chicago, but it was early in the month. I mean, it's yeah. been it's been a month since I've been at an NHL game, which again, in season during my career, it never happens. Like it's three days is a long stretch usually. Um, yeah, I'm still watching tons of games on TV, but it's just weird. I feel oddly disconnected from the league just because of all that stuff and the fact that the schedule's uneven. And yeah, let's hope yeah. we get through this. I mean, so many players have tested yeah. positive. Yeah. <laughs> if, if we're going to like, we, we should have like a good few months here where most of the league doesn't have to test and we won't have outbreaks and things like that but i'm i'm excited to get this season gaining a little momentum you know what i mean yeah what's wild i was thinking about this the other day like there are some teams who have not gotten to the exact halfway point of the season yet and this feels like the longest season i've ever like been around it's like where's ottawa at ottawa barely gets to play games these days they just swept uh the the uh the oilers and the flames they just had an alberta sweep I know, but where are they at for games played? I'm going to call up some standings here. That's a great question, but yeah, I know like, I that think... they were they were way behind everyone at one point. Yeah, uh, off the top of my head, I want to say I'm just going to guess because I don't have the name, I don't have the number. I'm going to say they played. They played 31 games. games. Okay, so I would have been two games up because I would have said 33 games. Tampa, yeah, Tampa's played 40 games, so they're closer to the halfway point than anyone. And Anaheim's at 41. Anaheim leads the league. So okay. As we're as we're recording this, there are games this afternoon for Martin Luther King Day. But yes, anyway, it's still like we have a team that's hit the halfway point and Ottawa's played 31 games and just played a back to back. Like just actually played two games. Like they were at 29 games. Oh man. So that means like when they I don't know how they're gonna fill in all those games. What if you get like a situation like with the Vancouver Canucks 
or the flight was it the flames or the Canucks like near the end of last year? Well, the where, flames and Canucks played games while the playoffs had started to exactly. the season. I wonder if we're going to get to that point with the senators. I hope, I hope not. not. Yeah. I'm sure they hope not too. I mean, that was an, that's not a good position to be in. Like when there's actual playoff games going on and you're playing game 81 of that doesn't matter. Cause you're both teams are missing the playoffs. That ain't good. Oh God. Yeah. Not to mention. Yeah. Would you, would you rather watch a first round series between the Leafs and the Panthers or game 81 between the, uh, the Ottawa senators and the Vancouver Canucks? I don't know. Trying to think of a team that might not make the playoffs. The Canucks might still make the playoffs. But, That's the other challenge, of course, is the opponent has to also be missing the playoffs or else it doesn't work. So exactly. let's, hope, let's hope for some scheduling that some miracles will come together here. Like the league still has time to make this work. I just think, of course, it, it's sort of like they've burned through a lot of the insurance they had with in terms of days open in the schedule. And so it, it will get tougher if there's more cancellations down the way or most postponements. Exactly. Uh, speaking of the Canucks, uh, they're still looking for a general manager. The Montreal Canadiens are also looking for general managers. It's time for GM watch uh, for two prominent Canadian markets. Um, what insight do you have on what's going on in Vancouver? And uh, after that, we'll get into the Canadians. Well, let's start with the Canucks first. It's weird because when we were talking about these teams earlier in the year, I felt like we were always bundling them together. Like when we were wondering what would happen with Jim Benning slash Travis Green, we were wondering what's going on with Mark Bergeman. And the way it's turned out, of course, you know, the, the teams have made uh, mass firings, uh, brought in Jim Rutherford to Vancouver. They had Jeff- jerseys thrown on the ice within days of each other. Actually, Right. It just feels like that. I mean, it's funny because Vancouver's got their season. I know they've struggled here of late a little bit, but they, they've got their season back on track, whereas Montreal's continued right into the ditch. Um, but they're still linked again a little bit. And both it sounds like this week in, in both markets, second interviews, second round of interviews are going and, and, you know, working their way to the finish line. And so I think it's funny. It doesn't, it doesn't actually seem like there's much crossover in candidates. So it's not like there's a race to get, you know, they're both chasing the same number one person. Um, But we might get a hiring in each market, like with within a day or maybe on the same day, who knows, uh, just because they're at the similar spot. What's also interesting, kind of a, a connection is, you know, I know that, that two former, members of the, the Canadians front office, Scott Mellenby and Sean Burke are among the finalists in Vancouver. Interesting. Um, and, you know, it, it still seems like Patrick Alvin, you know, who was the interim GM in Pittsburgh after Jim Rutherford was finished there and, and, and obviously worked with Rutherford. It seems like a lot of people still feel he's the favorite for, for that general manager job with the Canucks, but, you know, two other people with pretty prominent Canadians ties uh, are in the mix there. You know, it won't surprise you. A lot of the names we've we've talked about with Montreal are believed to be in their their group of finalists. Um, Daniel Briere, I uh, believe Matthew Darsh is also a finalist, and then the agent Kent Hughes seems to be still hanging there. And you know, Kent Hughes is, is based out of the Boston area, but but has you know ties to Montreal, speaks French, um, and you know, I, I'm not sure how the Canadians are going to land through that, but you know. It seems like both are sort of rolling their way towards a conclusion here and, and wouldn't be surprised if, if if it comes this week. And who knows? Maybe we'll even get Vancouver hiring someone who used to work for the Canadians when, when all is said and done here. That'd be really interesting. I have two follow-up questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess they're both kind of Montreal-centric, but maybe I'll try to find a way to come up with another Vancouver question. First one I have, one thing I keep seeing a lot with the Montreal search is that a lot of the like candidates who have been interviewed for the GM position, there's a chance that some of them could be hired for other positions. Uh, do you get that sense that it's it's pretty likely that it could happen? I've had this feeling for a while that like for some of the female candidates who are who are in, that kind of opens the door for, say for example, just throughout Danielle Sauvageau's name to be like a GM or another position in the front office. Do you get that same inkling as well? I mean, it makes some sense, right? Scott Mellenby was an assistant general manager with the Canadians. He stepped down the same weekend where Mark Bergman ultimately was fired. Um, so there's there's still a hole there, I guess. Um, Trevor Timmons, of course, was let go too. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's not clear how this will be restructured uh, quite. You know, they, they have an assistant general manager there. John Sedgwick uh, has handled their, their legal affairs. I guess I don't think he actually has the AGM title officially, but um, you know, I, I, know, I know he was part of you know, he was, he was interviewed at a stage of this too. And so, you know, I, I don't know how it will all shake down. I mean, what's interesting is they're, they're kind of rebuilding a whole front office, right? It's not 
like sometimes you replace a GM, you sort of replace a GM and he'll work with the, the AGMs that have been there. Like that, that's quite common. You know, I can think locally here, like, like Brandon Pridham, for example, is the Leafs assistant general manager, handles their cap. Like he worked under Dave Nonis originally. Uh, and so he was here under Lula Morello, remains under Kyle Dubas. Like it's not, it's not unusual, I guess, for, you know, people in that assistant GM job to work under multiple GMs. Cause you know, what they do is very specialized and, 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 and they're not all the same. Like some AGMs run the farm team, essentially. Some, some do all the negotiations with agents and, and the cap. Um, you know, some do a, a blend of those two things. Uh, you know, I think in Scott Mellenby's case, he actually came up through the scouting ranks. So he was really tied to the pro scouting department. And so those jobs aren't, aren't all the same. But the point is, is the work being done there is so specialized um, that I, I do think that each front office is set up a little bit differently. And so since Jeff Gordon's basically starting from zero, although he does have John Sedgwick there, um, it'll be interesting to see how that all falls into place with the GM if there is an AGM. But, but certainly it seems like the, the general managers hiring in Montreal won't be the last you know, fairly high executive added to the organization. I, ju- I just don't know how the t- timing of that will go. I mean, because presumably the GM, who isn't yet been named, is going to want some say in, in who his or her AGM is. Uh, as well. And so this will probably continue on then beyond the naming of the GM, but that does seem to be pretty imminent in Montreal. And, and that's sort of the next next step here in, in rounding out the front office. The second question I have pertains to Matthew Darsh, who I forget who uh, reported this last week, but I think he may be also in the running for the Anaheim Ducks job. And is that true? Is that something that could happen? And also I'm wondering if the Canadians are high enough on Matsir Darsh, could this create a bit of an awkward situation here where he might have a little bit of leverage? He might have leverage, but I think if they're high on him, like, look, I haven't asked Matthew Darsh this, but I mean, being the GM of the Montreal Canadiens with due respect to Anaheim Ducks, if you're French Canadian, I mean, I, I, I would imagine if they want him for that job, that would be his preference. Again, I haven't asked him, but like intuitively that, that makes sense. Um, he is on the Ducks list. What the Ducks are doing a little different process, right? They, they've formed sort of this blue ribbon panel. Uh, Paul Correa, uh, I think Scott Niedemeyer, and some other members of the front office are basically like an interviewing group, and they've assembled a long list. You know, I don't know exactly where they're at at trimming that down, but it seems like their process isn't going to be as quick. And so, you know, for Darsh, if, if it doesn't fall into place, like I would think Montreal's his number one priority if he can get that job. If it doesn't happen where they offer him a job, you know, then he, he still maybe gets a crack at, at the Anaheim position. But, um, you know, I, I don't I don't see it as a, a pure leverage situation because I, I can't imagine if the Canadians want to hire him that he wouldn't take that, that job. That's a very good point. So, yeah, that was our GM update. Canadian. I don't have a fancy title for this particular segment, but uh, I mean, insider trading is already taken. So I guess I can't really use that. Oh, well, yeah, uh, don't, don't anger one of my many bosses, please. Yes, let's not do that. Uh, oh, you got like TSN, you've got Northstar Bets, you got SDPN. I, I don't know what other, I mean, I think that's everything. That's, that's it all. for now. But I mean, having three for jobs. Now. Well, dude, you're, you're the king of hustle. Like, don't you be giving me this. I'm not giving you nothing, bro. I'm not giving you nothing. I'm like, trying you know to how it goes. Father. You know how it goes. I know how it goes, bro. I know how it goes, but I know you know how it goes. Just trying to make sure I get all of your jobs out there. Uh, There's nothing else in the hopper, but, you know, I'm free to work wherever I, as long as it doesn't clash with what I'm doing. Speaking of jobs, uh, people continue to wonder if heads will roll and jobs will be in question in Edmonton. Uh, Two wins in in their last 10 games. Uh, Head coach Dave Tippett, uh, who I think was on COVID protocol for a little bit at one point, has not won a game behind the bench since the beginning of December, uh, the uh, the Edmonton Oilers had a three one lead against the Ottawa against the Ottawa Senators over the weekend. They blew that, and uh, Connor McDavid looking a little despondent after the game. Uh, I'm not sure what to tell you. Uh, I think someone even asked him if that game ranked high in terms of some of the more frustrating regular season losses he's endured, and he's like, "Yeah, that that pretty much ranks up there." What are you hearing out at Edmonton? Are changes imminent beyond the Evander Kane thing? And that is a whole other can of worms. We know that. Are there changes imminent in Edmonton? They're really trying not to. I mean, that's that's obvious at this point, right? I mean, Ken Holland's been through a lot as a GM. He's he's clearly 
avoided trying to sort of hit anything that might look like a panic button. Mm-hmm. It hasn't helped, of course. They had nine days between games prior to that Ottawa game. So, like, the team hasn't had any games to win, essentially. I mean, they, they lost the one on Saturday, but they haven't had a chance to pull themselves out of it and, and calm the wor- waters there. You know, to me, seeing McDavid that way in his post-game interview, though, I mean, I don't want to call it a cry for help, but, I mean, like, that's – it just shows – where they're at. And, and look, I know after a loss, sometimes players are emotional. You know, I'm, I'm not saying, you know, when he comes to work on Monday morning, he hasn't refreshed himself and he's ready for practice, but just look exasperated. And it's hard for me to look past the goaltending, man. Like on this 14 game stretch that they're two ten and two Stuart Skinner has the best goals, the best save percentage among the three goalies that have played the games. And his is like eight eighty five or something. You know, Miko Koskinen and yeah. Mike Smith are both below that in the in the eight hundreds. You know, obviously you can win. Like the Oilers are a team that can score six, so you can win. You can win a game six five and have the goalie not be great. But I I I think the first move we're going to see here beyond the Kane thing because the, the Kane thing could act. You know, if the NHL investigation comes through, you know, I think Evander Kane and 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 there's no punishment for Evander Kane just for argument's sake. I, I'm not sure that's going to go, but then I think he'll make his decision pretty quickly. And I do think Edmonton's a front runner to get him. So that might happen quick here in terms of the sequence of events. But I think the next move is to find a goaltender for, for Ken Holland um, and, and in relatively short order, you know, he's, he's been pretty clear. Like it's not to say he'll never fire Dave Tippett, but he's talked at length, like in the Edmonton media to the reporters there about how he doesn't believe in midseason coaching changes. He doesn't think it addresses the problem. You know, it's not to say he can't, go back on his word there, but you know, it's, it's evident that that he really doesn't favor that approach. And, you know, he thinks Dave Tippett has done a nice job for the team. And so I do think that the responsibility shifts to him to try to find some answers. I think Kane makes a lot of sense for their forward group, but you know, they, they just need to keep the puck out of the net. And, you know, Stuart Skinner's a young goaltender. He's actually won the two games out of this 14 that they've won. Yeah. He's, he's been the goaltender of record in those games. Uh, but Mike Smith's been injured. Koskinen, you know, remember the flare up and, you know, where he felt like the bus was backed over him and him and yeah, Tippett and had York. a couple of days back and forth in the media. I feel like they're more or less done with him unless, you know, I guess anything stranger thing could happen. Maybe they put, have to play him a game and he goes on a winning streak and everything's forgotten. But, um, you know, I, I think the next move for in Edmonton is to, to get a goaltender. I know they're looking around. They've had some pro scouting meetings going on actually this week in person in a sunny locale. So, mm. I mean, what's interesting, but, and every team does that, but you can imagine the timing of this. If you're, you know, in, in pro scouting or in the front office where you're all in person and the team is on this kind of stretch, I mean, it must actually be kind of awkward a little bit. I mean, I know it's also a chance to break bread and maybe have some gallows humor about where you're at, but like, you know, the, the pressure of pro sports, you know, you'd rather be meeting and, you know, especially when I look outside and, snowing like crazy like if you're if, if everybody's getting away to somewhere nice to have these this kind of meeting in january you'd rather be doing it when your team's on a, a little bit of a heater there's no pressure on you're planning for the trade deadline you know you're, you're lining things up but there's no urgency you know the difference in, in this this situation is edmonton there's a fair bit of urgency around the front office you know they're 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 seeing what i'm seeing and you're seeing with those mcdavid comments they understand this has to turn around and that that you know, maybe the answers aren't all within the, the dressing room at this point in time. And so let's look and see if they can come up with a goalie here in the short term. Uh, before I get to ask CJ, the segment that we do on Mondays where we have questions uh, brought in from uh, re- from viewers and listeners like you uh, off Twitter and off Discord. Gallows humor? Is that like a wine reference? No, man, I'm, I'm doing this every week now. No, it's like when you're in a shitty spot and you can laugh about it because you're both in that shitty spot. Like to... That's not the, that's not the Oxford definition, but it's like, let's say you and I both made like a really bad mistake at work today, but then we can commiserate and laugh about it because it's like, well, we're here. We did it, you know, ha ha ha. So like, you know, what I mean is there might be gallows humor in the sense that I'm not saying they're down at this meeting, like all, you know, jaws on the floor, like, but you'd have to acknowledge like, wow, this is not, <laughs> this is not a great time for us to be getting together uh, when the team we've built is, is spiraling out of control. Um, but yeah. Okay. All right. I'll add uh, gallows humor to the list of rejected episode titles for uh, this, for today's edition of the CJ. La- last show is grassy. Noel. 
grassy knoll. <laughs> this show is gallows humor. Like I keep making these dated references or something, man. They're flying right over your head. I, hey, man, look, you, can you imagine if I start talking to you about references that I know uh, the, the thing going around TikTok now is pushing P. If we start talking about that, I'm going to lose you. That's going to be a whole 20 minute conversation. But uh, I'd rather spend 20 minutes talking uh, these questions brought in for the Ask CJ segment. Uh, let's get to one from MB Brennan on Twitter. Think the Seattle Kraken will change things up before season's end. On ice performance has been disappointing. How about Dave Hackstall and the trade deadline? Maybe moving Mark Giordano. Yeah, I you don't fire a coach in the first year of an expansion team. Like, I think you have to figure out the roster before we're really evaluating the coach. You know, I actually was looking on the weekend for something else, and I noticed Seattle's last in the league in team save percentage. So no coach, no coach looks good when his goaltenders are letting in a higher percentage of shots than every other goal set of goaltenders in the league. Uh you know, Dave Haxall is a good defensive coach. I'd, I'd still give him time. Mark Giordano wouldn't surprise me at all if he's moved uh, by the deadline. You know, there's even been some talk about a move back to Calgary, uh, Ooh, which is interesting. Um, you know, the Flames have kind of hit a, a tough spell here lately, but, you know, they, they've had, they've shown some promise this year. Certainly, um, you know, that's that Pacific division is fascinating. Like San Jose and LA are in playoff spots now, I think. I mean, anyway, they're right there, if not. Obviously, Anaheim's hung around. You know, I think we all know what Vegas is, but like Edmonton, Calgary, like it's just it, it's like an interesting mix of teams um, where, I, you know, maybe Calgary gets aggressive in that way. But I, I think it makes sense to deal Giordano. He's on an expiring contract. You know, maybe he signs back in Seattle. He is their team captain. Um, maybe he signs back there in, in the offseason. You know, I'm not sure how that'll go, but, you know, his name is kind of out there is, is one teams are tracking and, and, you know, at this stage of his career, it makes sense to to go allow him chase for Stanley Cup. I mean, he spent his whole career in Calgary. He's already made one move. What's a what's a second move on the short term? Maybe he moves back to Calgary. I don't know if his house is still there. He just moves right back in. It's like it never happened. From Kalenko11 on Twitter, what is the best value contract in the National Hockey League, and why is it Drake Batherson? Ha! I mean, the problem is on a. I can't just throw out best value. I mean, guys like. Carter Verhage or something that are playing for next to nothing and are scoring almost a point per game probably are better value contracts. I mean, yeah. the great thing about Drake Batherson is he's on a, he's on a favorable number and he, you know, he's young. And so you're, you're still hoping for upside there. Um, I'm trying to think Evan Rodriguez in, in Pittsburgh is playing for about a million dollars and scoring almost a point per game. Uh, those, those are some great value contracts. Th- those are probably the, those, those are where you draw like each year. That's where you find it from some player who's playing for like under a million and a half. Who's producing at a top six rate. You know, you can have it with a goaltender and a defenseman too, but I think that those tend to be it, but you know, I'm certainly not hating on Drake Brack Batherson, um, you know, having a nice year for Ottawa and, and, you know, it's an interesting question though that value. I'd have to really dig into it to give you a proper answer. I'm throwing out some names off the top of my head. Good names. Some guys I've been watching. I mean, for just a great story too. Um, Leafs you know, draft took, pick. He was a Leafs draft pick. He was traded to the Islanders early in his career, like before before he was ever expected to be an NHL player, if you know what I mean. But it took him yeah. six years to play an NHL game, and he spent some time in the ECHL, obviously a lot in the American Hockey League. And now all of a sudden, he's in his third NHL season, and he had a good year last year production wise. But I mean, he's he's at about 0.8 points per game after taking that long to get to the NHL as a forward. It's not something you see often. I don't know bit of a late bloomer thing could be an opportunity, you know, it reminds me a little bit. Jonathan Marshall. So had a similar uh, situation where it took him a while to break through. And then he's become a, you know, an impact player and signed a nice contract in Vegas. I mean, Carter Verhage seems to be on that similar path where he, the first step was just getting into the league. The second step now is he's really established himself. Now he's kind of elite, a little bit like Jack Campbell. It's hard, hard with the, the position, but it took Jack Campbell seven or eight years just to play an NHL game after being drafted 11th overall, having huge expectations. Again, spending time in the ECHL and the AHL, having people wonder if he'd ever get there. Then he establishes himself in LA. Now in Toronto, he's been elite. Um, you know, I was looking up his numbers for stories. He's 926 since joining the Leafs, save percentage in, I think, 57 games. Um, pretty darn good. And that's a, that's a meaningful stretch of time over multiple seasons 
playing behind different Leafs teams. It's not like he's playing behind teams that lock it down either. I mean, the Leafs still have still make some defensive errors because they're, they're built in a certain way with their elite offensive players. So um, it's cool. I love those guys. I love that. Those stories of perseverance. Um, and yeah, I'm really off on a tangent now, but shout out Carter Verhege. Shout out Carter Verhege. Uh, I'll say this for Jack Campbell and Drake Batherson NHL all-stars this year. I'll add that on the uh, same team, team Atlantic. Yes. Yes, in the same division. Uh, this one's from Neutral Zone Cam J. What was the first big scoop you got? <clears throat> I don't know what the first big scoop, but certainly the probably the story that helped put my career on a different path was with Ryan O'Reilly. Uh, have I told this one on the pod before or no? I don't. All right, so were you, were you there for the... Uh, yes, you did, because that's the story where... Uh, Ryan O'Reilly was offer sheeted, I think, by the Flames, but then had to end up being on waivers. And then you had to explain that uh, there was. So, a, yeah, I'll, I'll, but I'll give it Cole's notes for like a quick version yeah. of it. But I joined Sportsnet in January 2013. You know, it's a new job for me. And like a week or two into my time there, um, this this offer sheet happens where the Flames offer sheeted Ryan O'Reilly. He was unsigned with Colorado at the time. He's a restricted free agent. And like someone phoned me or texted me, whatever it was around dinner time. Like, can you write a column on this? And I was like, oh man, I don't even know what I'm going to say. Like, I didn't know a whole lot about the situation. And then I started digging into it and made a few phone calls and it was flagged to me. I think they were at a safe level distance. It was flagged to me by someone that there's a problem with this contract uh, because there's a rule that if a player has played in Europe past the beginning of the regular season, uh, NHL regular season and then signs an NHL contract that he must first clear waivers um, before being able to join that team. Basically, the idea is they didn't want NHL teams making sort of wink agreements with players who spend a whole year in Europe and then right before the trade deadline coming to the NHL, mm-hmm. right? Like it could be a way to like stash guys away and then having a deal that that way, if you do that, everyone else has to pass on him before he comes and joins your team. And so I dug into this. I spent like was up like half the night, honestly, like trying to get all the confirmations. And the implication of this would be Colorado, which I believe was last in the waiver orders, meaning they would have the first crack at him, could theoretically have, you know, if the contract of the Flames had happened, if Ryan Riley had agreed to that offer sheet, I believe Colorado could have not matched yeah. on purpose. And he would then go on waivers and Colorado could have claimed him on waivers and got the draft pick compensation, which was at least one first round pick at the time. (laughs) And, and so I, you know, through sourcing, I was able to figure this out and I actually dropped that story the next morning. And with just being so new at sports that being young, you know, certainly didn't have, you know, the profile or the experience level I do today. Like that was a crazy day. I mean, first of all, it was a bomb at the time. Second of all, I was new to sports and they're like, okay, we need you to do on this radio station. We need you to do this TV hit, this TV hit, this TV. Like I got to understand the full power of working for a multimedia company because all of a sudden I was everywhere. Um, I don't want to tell too much. I'll tell more of the story as time goes on, Yeah. but I've since talked to some of the people that were on the other side of the story, like at the time and needless to say, it got their attention and you know, I think that there was some concern, even maybe that JP Struer was a Flames GM could like lose his job over it or something. I mean, that really has nothing to do with me. I think it's just it was a big story. It was a mistake by the Flames, essentially. I don't know if it, if the league should have flagged it. Like, I don't know how all that should work behind the scenes. But put it put it this way: it it really slipped under the radar because the lockout had just ended. Ryan O'Reilly was playing over in the KHL. It it was a crazy time, and it it was a huge story for me, and definitely, I think, opened more doors for me at Sportsnet. It, it, it made them more comfortable using me in TV and radio and everything. And, and like, that was a, probably a career shifter, if not a full career changer for me. And, you know, some of it, like any story like this is just good timing. And I mean, frankly, someone tipped me off. Like, I mean, I, I phoned the person, so it wasn't like they tipped me off out of the blue, but I wouldn't have figured all that out on my own without someone pointing out to me that there might be a problem there. Uh, next question from uh, Radar Bleu. On Twitter, regarding the virtual meeting between the Minister of Finance of Quebec and the National Hockey League, is this the right approach, in your opinion? Can this be a positive step in advancing the issue of returning, of bringing a franchise back to Quebec? Could there be a short-term emergency for the NHL in terms of relocation? 
I think Quebec's a long shot. I really do. But it's it's not a no shot. I mean, they have they have clearly political interests. They have corporate interests that they shared with the NHL during that meeting, and they have an NHL arena, all right, an arena that could house NHL games and, and be competitive. So I think this is a good step. I think what they have to do is keep an open line of communication. They have to not piss off the people at the top of the league. So don't be leaking too many stories as much as those of us on that's this side of the story like that, you know, but don't be sharing too much of the business or sharing too much of what I've said, act professionally, remain open, try to ease concerns the league might have say about the size of the market or the corporate situation, you know, the financial side of this arrangement and just be ready because that's what Winnipeg did. You know, one thing Mark Chipman, um, you know, was really good at doing was just meeting regularly with the league, doing it quietly, you know, upgrading his arena at the time to, to be able to, they had to build a press box and the whole thing to make it, um, you know, more NHL ready. And then, you know, one day the league ran into trouble. It's actually, they, there was a situation where they got Phoenix at the time, Phoenix Coyotes. It didn't come through because something happened in Glendale, but then they got the Atlanta Thrashers who were also in trouble. And so, you know, I think that that Quebec is looking most likely at relocation if it ever gets a team and it would, it would probably be a scenario where, you know, there might not, the league might be out of options with a certain ownership group or marketplace. And, and so, yeah, I don't think that that exists right now, frankly, like even the uncertainty in Arizona, I, I, I don't see that resulting in like a last minute play to Quebec, you know, in, in May or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but the pandemic, a lot of businesses are being challenged. A lot of the te- guys that own teams are having issues with their other businesses you know, it, it could happen somewhere. And so I think, I think this is the right approach. Be cordial, have these meetings, be as patient as you can be and just hope for the best. Uh, this next one from Pharaoh UP on discord. So Florida is really good, but do you think their current run is sustainable? Are the Panthers going to look to add at the deadline? And with all the success, do you think all of it will finally put Jonathan Huberto in the MVP conversation? I don't think he's getting the MVP conversation and I'm not hating on Jonathan Huberto. Like he's having a great season. He is going to be an all-star as well. Um, but I mean, the only look, one for I, the Panthers, I guess I just, there, there's too many sort of names at the top of the scoring charts that I think are probably going to be among the names that win that award. But look, we've got half a season to play. I shouldn't, I shouldn't say he can't do it. Uh, I do like Florida's team though. Like if you look at the underlying metrics, they're, I mean, they're a high event team and the high event is happening in the other team zone a lot. Um, you know, Florida's doing a great job of controlling the puck and, and generating shots. I mean, they, they're scoring a boatload of goals lately, uh, winning some lopsided games. They've been getting great goaltending all year. You know, Bobrovsky is back. Um, back on the case. And back on the case. And so, yeah, I think that, you know, Bill Zito's been aggressive ever since taking over as a general manager, I, I would think he'll be looking to, to make some depth ads at the, the trade deadline, just to try to be ready for anything that can and will happen on a long playoff run. You know, the trouble that Florida has, which is the same trouble that Toronto has and Boston has, and even Tampa has is all four of those teams are pretty darn good and they got to go through each other. So, you know, the first two rounds in the Atlantic division will be difficult. Um, I guess a team that wins the division, which could be Florida might, might get a crossover Metro team wildcard kind of situation. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, Florida's Florida's for real for me. It's just, it's going to be the, the East is hard this year. Oh yeah. Cause then you look over the Metro and there's some pretty darn good teams there. Like Carolina. I don't think you want to play Carolina right now. And then, you know, Washington's having like a sneaky good year. The Rangers with Shesterkin just keep hanging around. Like I wait for the fall off there. It hasn't happened. Like there's just, there's, the East is much stronger in my eyes than the West uh, in terms of the depth, like the, the number of teams that you really wouldn't want to face. And so it's going to be hard to come out of the East, but you know, Florida, I think is ready for the next step. They had a great series of Tampa last year and they're rolling they're, They've been, they've been so good this season. All right. That's going to do it for all the questions for ask CJ. Thank you as always for sending them on Twitter and on discord. And with that, that's going to do it for our Monday edition of the CJ show. We got through it. We had a lot of laughs. We had some fun pretty much as per usual uh, on the CJ show. Good job, buddy. You did, you did real great today. 
Yeah, no Mondays here, but I'm ready to go. I just jumped straight into Tuesday this week mentally, you know? Yeah. Are you, are you shoveling after this? Well, no. <laughs> I'm not in a shoveling situation with my living situation, so I'm, I'm good that way. But okay. I'm, I'm definitely not anxious to venture out too much today. Mm, oh, what does that mean for the running streak then? Well, okay. You don't get the 600 and... <laughs> You don't get the 626 days, which is what I believe I'm at, and without having to run in some inclement weather. So there will there, there will be a run. It's not going to be early. I'll probably wait till the afternoon. Um, okay. Hopefully, hopefully everyone out there is shoveling or, or the, the city of Toronto is clearing the, the paths for me. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll get up. I'll definitely get up for my run. I actually, I don't mind. It sounds weird. Sometimes the, the more crappy the weather the more fun it is to do i don't know why that is it's like a, i don't know if you noticed on my ig story on the weekend but it, w- it was really cold here one day like literally feels like minus 30 my whole beard was frozen yeah and like i enjoyed that run so i don't i don't know i'm weird and then sometimes when it's like 20 in august i'm just not feeling it so it, it's i think i think like mentally you gear yourself up for those those tough weather days you are weird, but we love you anyway, CJ. Uh, subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to the SDPN YouTube page. Uh, there seems to be a, an announcement coming later this week. I'm not at privy to say, but uh, seems I like- I know what it is. I, I, okay. Oh, okay. I, I don't know if we're, I, I don't know if we're allowed to leak that news. I know we've, we've done I'm not that. leaking it. I'm just saying- I'm not leaking it. it but it's gonna I know good, what it is but... too, but I'm not at privy to say what that announcement is, but uh, be excited for that. Check out our content on both of the platforms that we're on. CJ is looking like he's doing some big stuff with North star. Uh, excited to see what that comes out of that. And uh, obviously with the athletic with me, uh, if you are an athletic subscriber, uh, you can listen to the podcast through the athletic ad free. So be sure to keep that in mind for CJ. I'm Julian saying so long and peace. We will be back on Jersey. Jeudi, mon ami. Johnston Show. Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter at ReporterChris. And follow Julian McKenzie at JK McKenzie.